Good morning. Welcome to Awaken Church. I'm Frank, and I'm excited to be able to be here with you all this morning. And that uh, as a church, you get the chance to join us. We get the chance to go through the second part of our series entitled Missing God. And the goal of this series is to empower you to empower our church to hear from God. And actually, we're going to go further than that, not just hearing from God, but how to listen to him. So I was going through my my prep for this, and I realized sometimes when I'm writing how crazy things sound, right? And I, if I were to say this is our ambition in a separate environment, in a non-church environment, and I were to say that our goal as a church is to learn how to listen to God, it would sound really strange. People would be giving me the side eye and looking at me funny. Auditory hallucinations, that's what it's called in the world outside the church. And we know that, right? That sometimes, oftentimes, the language of the church and the language of the scriptures and the things that we believe as Christians are, might be safe to express in here, but is much more challenging to express and embody out there. And yet out there is where most of our faith life happens. It's where most of our living by faith is going to become a reality, is going to exist. And for us, the challenge is always going to be, always going to be how to live out our Christian faith in a world that is not. And so last week we shared that uh, on, on ways on how the, the greatest challenge of being a, a fully devoted follower of Christ, of being a disciple of Jesus, is that in trying to listen for God's voice, there's so many other voices out there, so many other voices that pull us in all these different directions. And if we've not been trained, not been equipped to discern God's voice in the midst of all that noise, then it can be, then listening can become a very confusing and difficult exercise, but it can't be a neglected one, especially if our church is going to embark in the Church Plant 2020 vision, which we shared last week, right? This idea that our church, our small church, is going to believe in God, right, to multiply by sending out a team to launch a new congregation somewhere here in the city of Jacksonville, prayerfully by the fall of 2020. And we know that sounds a bit crazy. It's a bit insane, especially when just five to six years ago, we were still a church plant. That was where we were. But as crazy as that vision sounds, we're going to take a shot at this, and we're going to take a shot at it together. Not, And when I say together, not the the pastors are going to get together, go up on a mountainside, pray and hear from God, and then come down from the mountain glowing and tell all of you how it's going to play out and get the church to rally behind. That's not the way this is going to work. Church Plant 2020 is going to always, with any initiative of God, begin with God, begin with God's Holy Spirit, but that as a church, discerning how he's speaking to us and how he's leading us in this process. And so because that's our ambition, because that's our goal, it's vital that we understand how to listen to God and as a church how to learn to listen to him together. So we're going to get a bit practical. I'm going to share a bit about what this means practically and not just theoretically. We're going to make an agreement, you and I, 
together this morning. And here's the agreement. As teachers and, and, and uh, pastors and leaders, and actually even uh, Stephen Freeman's going to be the deacon that will close up our series here, we're going to make an agreement that our part is going to be to take the time to train, equip, and empower you to not only hear from God, but how to listen for his specific voice. That's our part. Your part is to testify when he speaks. In particular, when it comes to the church plant 2020 vision that I know you guys are all going to be praying about alongside us. So in the back, we've got in that little white table over there, we've got this trifold board. If you don't know what a trifold board is, just think about the things you use to bring to science fairs. That's what a trifold board is. So it's got the middle panel and then two side panels. And on each of the, one of the side panels, we got one side is going to be concerns and fears, right? And these are the things where, I, uh, and we got sticky notes in front. And so what we want us to do as a church is to be able to say, okay, you know what? I don't know if God necessarily spoke this, but here's some concerns we have, fears we have. And to be able to just write on a sticky note and just tape it on there. That these are things that as a church, as a part of this church, I'm burdened by, maybe even a bit worried about. On the other side, is going to be things that I'm excited about. And I want you to write sticky notes there and, and post it there as well. And then finally, in the middle, we've got a section we just called impressions, right? And impressions just sounds a bit better than this is what God said to me, because that can be kind of intimidating, right, to be able to say, you know what, I've been praying about this, I feel like God is saying this, but I don't know if I'm comfortable saying God said this, you know, so, but that's why we put that middle section in, whatever that might be, why don't you take the time, put it on a sticky, and, and post that in the middle as well, and it's designed to be anonymous, so you don't have to worry that, or freak out about someone hunting you down, but I would invite you guys, especially if you're writing something a bit vague, to put your name on it. That way we get a chance to follow up and say, all right, tell me a bit more about what it was that God shared with you. Does that make sense? And again, outside, this language might sound a bit weird. Hopefully in our church, we're going to normalize this and say that as we learn what it's like to listen, to hear from God and to listen to his voice, we're going to respond to that in obedience, right? And share that with our church. So that's what we're going to do. Does that work? Do we have an agreement? Do we have an accord? Our part is to train, equip you to hear from God, what it looks like to listen. And your part is to say, I will testify when God speaks. Do we have an accord? Do we have an accord? We do. Awesome. I'm excited. So last week, our focus uh, the title of the teaching was Noisemakers, and the idea behind it is if when we start off this idea of what it means to hear from God, we have to recognize there's a lot of other voices that are distracting us. And so our goal and our ambition is to take a deeper dive into being able to say, how do we distinguish God's voice from all of the others? Because there's no question, at least according to the scriptures, that God speaks to his people. In John chapter 10, I shared this last week. Jesus shares, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So maybe you don't consider it a compliment to be called a sheep, but that's what is, a, is the analogy that Jesus used. And he said that my sheep know my voice. Uh, later in the book of John, uh, or sorry, a bit earlier, Jesus again shared, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't Believe, belong to God, right? So Jesus is saying again, if you were one of mine, 
you're going to take joy in listening for my voice. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus says again, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. I don't know if Jesus meant that literally as much as if you open the door, we're going to fellowship together and spend time together. God is speaking all the time. That is not the problem. The problem is us. The problem is most of us haven't been trained or trained ourselves to understand what it is to listen to God. Or even for those of us who have in our quiet times, in our one-on-one times, when everything else is still, it's like, oh, man, there are times when I really do feel like I hear God speaking to me. But most of our lives aren't lived in solitude. It's lived in a mall-like environment where there are hundreds of other voices. And so it's important to be able to hear in those times as well. So what does God's voice sound like? How do we distinguish it? So I wanted to start in the Old Testament and to realize that God spoke with his people commonly in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God spoke in a variety of ways as well. He spoke through angels, as in the example of Hagar and Jacob and Gideon and others. God spoke in visions to Abraham and to Samuel. Uh, God spoke in dreams to Joseph, to Abimelech, and to Daniel. God spoke through miraculous signs to Moses, the burning bush, and then, of course, the plagues to the entire nation of Israel. He was a fire by day, a cloud by day, a fire by night to them as well. God spoke in a whisper to Elijah, as we talked about last week. And we can go on and on, and I don't want you to miss the point. The point is not how God spoke to people in the Old Testament. It was the fact that he did. And when God spoke to his people, the people who heard him clearly knew it was God speaking, and they understood what he was trying to say. And I think that's an important thing to distinguish, and I don't want you to miss it, because God's intention in speaking to us is not to be mysterious. And sometimes that's what we make it. We say we have a feeling, and we're like, oh, maybe this feeling is from God, and it feels like he wants me to do this and this. Or I had this vague, you know, idea of something, and maybe it's from God, and I'm going to follow it down this path. But that's not really, I think, how God works, right? In the Old Testament, when God spoke, he spoke, and people were confident it was God's voice, and then understood clearly what he was saying. So what does that look like in the New Testament era, when we move past the Old Testament? Hebrews 11 shares this really cool verse. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. In the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through miracles, angels, visions, prophets, his people, etc. And God still does that to, in a sense, to some degree today. But the primary way God has chosen to speak to us and reveal himself to us today is through Jesus. So what does that mean? So I want to take you into a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, actually on a topic very similar to this. It's found in the book of John chapter 14. And so to give you a bit of context of what's happening here, it is the night of the Last Supper. And for those of you who are familiar with the story of Jesus, that means it's the night that after this supper, after this meal together, Jesus is going to be betrayed by Judas. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken down and given a trial. And then later he's going to be crucified. So it is that night. 
And John is the only one of the gospel writers that really spends an extended time going through what Jesus taught his disciples that night for a few chapters, not just a couple of passages. And so this is the conversation that's taking place that night at the Lord's Supper. And Jesus has been sharing with them that, guys, I need you to know, I told you about this before, but I'm going away. And the disciples start to question, we've heard you say this a few times already, Jesus, you're going away. What does that mean? And if you're going, how are we going to follow? And so Jesus' response, John 14, starting in verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus tells his disciples, here's the starting point. Here's what you have to recognize, that I am God. And if you have seen me, which you have, you have also seen God. I have come to reveal the heart and mission of God, but some still don't get it. So it continues with Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe because the works you've seen me do. Philip asks the question that a lot of us ask, and there are even a lot of non-Christians who ask, right? God, if you're real, let me see you. Stand in front, show up, and tell me what it is you want for my life to be all about. What is it you want me to do? What is my purpose? Why have you made me? That's what Philip is saying, and that's, that's a desire that many of us have. And Jesus' response to that is, I'm right here. I am God. My words are God's words to you. Your task is to simply believe and obey. So he continues in, in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That's pretty cool. If you know the story of the, the end of the Gospels in the New Testament, to see how Jesus says here, he's with you now, but soon he will be in you. So if I were to summarize what this entire passage means in frank language, so a way that maybe makes it easier to grasp, Jesus is talking to his closest friends. He's talking to his disciples. And he's saying, you want to see God? You want to hear what God has to say to you? I'm him and I'm it. Everything you've heard from me, everything you've seen in me, has literally been God speaking to you and doing in your midst. You have literally seen God working alongside you. Why? 
because this is the way God has always wanted it to work. Do you remember back in the garden, like in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3? Adam and Eve were created, and where was God? God was in the garden right there with Adam and Eve, personally with them, talking to them, side by side with them. That's the way God wanted his relationship with us to look. But what ended that? Sin ended that, didn't it? And then here comes Jesus as God. And what is Jesus doing? He's right there with the 12 disciples. He's standing with them. He's teaching them. And not just the 12, but others who were there as well. This is what God wants his relationship with his people to look like. And what Jesus is saying here is if you know God's heart in this, then you understand that I have to go away so that this can be permanent. And not just permanent, but so the entire world can experience what you're experiencing right now. God with you. And so Jesus, for that to happen, Jesus has to be crucified, buried, and then resurrected. And after that happens, the next great miracle is going to happen. And the great miracle is that God's Holy Spirit will come to live in, the, in all those who believe. So that again, God's relationship with us will be personal, will be intimate, he'll be right here with us all of the time. Just as it was with Adam and Eve, just as it was with Jesus and the Twelve, just as it will be, that's how he wants his relationship with us to work today. Old Testament, New Testament, today. That is the amazing work that God has done for us. And so maybe the most accurate way to say how does God speak to us today, God speaks to us through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Jesus shares a bit more about what the Holy Spirit does and how he communicates with us in John 17. He says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. God speaks to us today, as it says in Hebrews 1, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. So that is the theology of how God speaks to us today, shared as simply as I know how to do it. So from that, let's move on to the practical application. Okay, I get it. Right? I get the quote unquote the theology of it, the theory of it, that God wants to be, he's always wanted to be right here with us. That's the type of relationship he had with Adam and Eve. That's the type of relationship Jesus had with the 12. And that's what he has with us today through his Holy Spirit. And of course, side by side, it's communication becomes easy. And that's how God has designed it. But practically, what does this look like? Because it's not the same as having my best friend or my spouse or my bud or my kid, you know, standing here right next to me talking to me. That type of communication we get. What does it look like with God? And so I, it was challenging to walk through this in a clear way. So I'm just going to frame the response to this, the practicals of this, in the form of three questions. 
The first one is, how does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? And when I say this, I mean, what is the means by which God speaks? The first and the most obvious way is through the Bible, through the scriptures. This is going to be the most common and accessible way to hear God speak. If you want to know what God is like, read the Bible. If you want to know God's will, read the Bible. If you want to know how God does things and what is consistent with his nature and with his methods, read the Bible. And as you read the Bible, it's really neat what God says. In the book of Hebrews, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What God says is the Bible is not a book like any other book. Unless you're not a Christian yet. If you're not a believing Christian, then the, book is ju- the Bible is just another book. A really good book, but just a book. But for those of you who are Christians, who have the whole, God's Holy Spirit living in you, our interaction with the Bible and the Scriptures is living. And through it, as we read, God speaks and reveals himself to us. So that's why for us in, a, in this church, we make it such a point of emphasis that you guys are regularly spending time in God's word because this is a baseline of communicating with God. And if you're a young Christian, I get it. Reading the Bible, sometimes a bit tough to read. And, and what I can encourage you with is just say, this is like any new relationship you start. Any new relationship, any new meaningful relationship you start is always gonna be a bit awkward in the beginning, even though you're excited there's going to be some hiccups. There's going to be trying to figure out what, what you saying, what do you mean, and that's okay. That's the way it is with God as well. Just persist and keep reading. In 2 Timothy, God says, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the scripture is the first way that we can understand how God speaks to us. The second is prayer. Prayer is really neat and it's so important because it brings balance to the way that we know God and hear from God. If we understand the Bible is the living word of truth and reveals truth about God, but it can sometimes be difficult to interact with the scriptures. Not always. For some of us, we read the scriptures and God's word literally comes to life for us. For some of us, it doesn't work out that way, and prayer becomes that interaction. So maybe a way to think about it is in a relationship, right? That prayer is the way that we can interact with God and share with him our emotions, our burdens, our passions, our specific needs, specific requests. That's how prayer interacts. So if you think about it like in a relationship, every relationship has two components, right? There's a communication part that we talk to each other, we communicate with one another in some way. And then we do stuff together. So prayer is like the communication part. It's how we interact and talk with God on a regular basis. And then we share our emotions. We share our burden. We share our heart. And then the scriptures is kind of like the things we do where we learn what are your goals? What are the things that, that what is your character like? That's kind of how the word of God works. Ephesians chapter 6 says, pray in the spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all God's people. So the Bible, prayer, circumstances is another way that God speaks to us, but maybe not in the way that you might think. For a lot of us, we tend to think that circumstances uh, kind of reveal how much we're in God's favor. So 
if, if we're good and we've been doing the right things and we're making God happy, then he's going to bless us. And if we've got sin in our life or we've done something wrong, then God is going to discipline us or give us trials. And that's how we tend to view circumstances. But that is not how God views them. Instead, the way, and that's not the way that God works. Instead, the way that God tends to work through circumstance, the way that God speaks to us through circumstances is by helping us see our circumstances from his perspective and speaking and teaching us how to respond to them God's way. Circumstances, uh, if you think about them, again, you, we run through them all the time, right? Things we're going through in school, in work, in relationships. These are circumstances. They're kind of like tests in school. Do you remember taking tests in like high school, middle school, college? Some of you guys are still in it. What are tests designed to do? Tests are designed, yeah, they're, they're designed to reveal what you know at that given moment. Is that not correct? So you've done all this studying. Tests are there to reveal what you know. Circumstances do the same thing. When we have different trials and different challenges, in a sense, if you look at it, maybe that's not the best analogy, but that's the way I frame it in my mind is God is testing us. And he's saying, all right, based on all the things that you've been learning about me, how much are you able to see things from my perspective? And how much are you able to respond in the way that I want you to respond? And God speaks to us through circumstances telling us, be patient, persevere, take joy. Rejoice always, right, in every circumstance. These are the ways God speaks to us in our circumstances. Uh, Paul shares a really neat passage in Romans 8, 28. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And Paul's implication is all these things that we see happening in our lives, they're all designed to work together for our good. And that's how we should approach it. Creation, I love how God speaks to us through his creation. Consistently, God's creation is the way he shouts out his creativity, his beauty. His, have you ever thought about the beauty of God as being an attribute? Like how beautiful is God, right? In, in the things that he has made, he's showing you his creativity and how, how amazing he is, right? His greatness his grandness, how intricate he is. Creation speaks to the greatness of God in visceral ways that other, other means just oftentimes aren't able to do as well. Romans 1, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. God says the reason why I shout like last week we talked about God speaking to us in whisper. The reason why I shout through creation is because I'm not simply proclaiming myself to you who believe, but so that even those who don't believe in me might look at creation and say, you know what, I don't know about all this creation. I've never read the Bible. I've never even heard of Jesus. But when I look at creation, I can't possibly imagine this is man-made or the result of some crazy accident. There's design here. There's majesty here, and there must be God. And that's what he's saying is that creation shouts out that I am here so that even if you've never heard of my son Jesus, you don't have an excuse for not believing in me. Our past, our past experience speaks to us, ways God has worked in us in the past, the ways things that he has spoken to us 
in the past, oftentimes God will bring those up in our minds when we're going through a new situation saying, hey, I know this is tough, but you remember you went through something even tougher just a few years ago and you survived. Persevere. I will be your strength. You're going to get through this time as well. Paul shares in Philippians 4, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's such a cool passage. What Paul is saying is I have learned through my past experiences how to endure in good times and bad. I can do all things through Christ. And finally, the way God speaks, God also speaks through his people. God's going to use your pastors, your leaders, your godly friends, and uh, your brothers and sisters to share God's word, to share God's heart with you. It's one of the ways that God communicates. And sometimes we need that, right? I, 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 my wife and I joke at times that, uh, that you know what? I, I, I tell my wife she's my best friend with skin. You know, and that's like, yes, God is our best friend. Sometimes we need some skin. Sometimes we need someone just to kind of physically touch us, hold us, care for us, listen, and who's right there. And so in that way, this is what the church is designed to do, to come alongside. And God will use God's people to speak into our lives as well. There might be a few areas I'm missing. I just want you to understand this when I share all of this with you. God is creative. He's going to find a way to, to speak into our lives. We just have to prepare ourselves to listen. And if we believe this, there's some really neat re revelations that come out. First, we realize that, you know what? If I see, God is always speaking. He's always speaking through creation, through his word, in some way, shape, or form. God is always saying something to us. We just need to figure out how to listen. Second, I think when you see the diversity of ways in which God speaks to us, I think one thing to also realize is that as people, as different people and as unique people, God's also going to, we're also going to tend to be able to better listen in some ways than others. And that's totally okay. I have some friends of mine and some people in this church who I love. They hear God speak through prayer in ways that I just like, my prayers don't sound like that. It's not, it doesn't work that way. Or some people who read the word of God and God speaks to them and shows them things. And I'm like, I never read that. And I've read the Bible for 20 some odd years now. For some, it's through fasting. Through some, I, I have some in this church that I know that you connect with God best when you're in nature and God's creation. You feel like when I'm there, I experience the reality of God and I feel God speaking to me most clearly, right? Some, it happens through in the church that I feel God comes most alive and speaks to me loudest through worship or through serving one another or being with the community. And that's totally okay, right? We're not cookie-cutter Christians. We're unique and diverse. But I want to be clear on one final thought before we move on to the next question, and it's that, okay, that is true. God speaks to us in a whole bunch of different ways, and it's okay to be excited about being unique and to say, I want to discover more how I best listen to God but we all understand that God's word is the standard. God may speak in a number of different ways through a number of different voices. But if what we hear ever contradicts the word of God, that's why I said in the beginning, that's our baseline. If it ever contradicts the word of God, then it didn't come from God. Because God's not going to contradict himself. Truth doesn't contradict itself. We don't neglect the disciplines of reading the word and prayer, but we realize we're not all designed to be cookie-cutter Christians either. There's room to experiment and see how we listen Second, so that's how God speaks. 
what does God say when he speaks? So when the first one is, what is the way in which God communicates to us? Secondly, what is he communicating? What is he trying to say to me? Because if I knew that, then maybe I can hear and listen a little bit better. When God speaks, he's revealing one of three things. He's revealing himself. He's revealing his purposes or his will is another way of saying it. And finally, he's revealing his way. It's one of those three in some way, shape, or form. So I want to talk about that a little bit. So first, God is revealing himself. You know when you're in a relationship with someone that you care a lot about? It can be a friend. It can be a significant other. It can be a spouse. It can be whatever um, that relationship might look like. In any relationship, what happens in the beginning and what happens over the course of our time as we develop our relationship? We share about our lives with each other. We share our hearts with each other, right? And so in all of our meaningful relationships, what we do is we take turns. And in that relationship, I share with you about my thoughts, my dreams, my hopes, my day-to-day stuff, the things that are going on. And you listen to me, give me attention, nod, smile, and say, wow, Frank, that's really cool, right? And then we take turns and we switch. And then you tell me about your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your day-to-day stuff. And I'll listen to you and I'll pay attention to you. And, and then we share. That's what a relationship is built on, right? This type of interaction. In the same way... God does the same thing to us. And when God speaks to us, what he's revealing is, is, is himself. I want you to know about me. I want you to know what my thoughts are. I want you to know what my heart is. Because sometimes people can assume the worst of me, and I don't want that to happen. This is what God is one of the things that God reveals in our conversations with one another, when, when God speaks to us. Now, God already knows everything about you, but... He's, he's, uh, he humors you, right? So he'll listen to all your stuff anyway, and he'll listen. And uh, that's how that interaction works. The second part is God reveals his purpose and his will. So, uh, and what I mean by that is God also, when he speaks to us, he shares with us what he's planning to do. Why? Not just because we can know him, although that's important, but he shares what he's planning to do as well because he wants for us to be a part of his work. God wants to do stuff with us. And again, this is a foundational part of a relationship, right? If, conversa- or if uh, a relationship is built completely on conversation, then guys are in big trouble. I mean, we can only go so far and talk about so much. We need to do stuff together as well. The difference is when God's sharing his plan and his will and we get to do stuff to, to invite us in to do that with him, it has lasting value. It has eternal value. And then... Finally, his himself, his purpose, his will, and then God reveals his way as well. And what is God's way? God's way means how God wants things done. God is a both and. And what I, when I say that, what I mean is God's purposes always need to be accomplished God's way, too. The end and the means both have to be aligned with each other. So here's an example. Uh, one of God's purposes, God wants to see people saved. God wants to see people accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord by putting their faith in him. But God is not going to be pleased if the way we accomplish that is by kidnapping people and torturing them until they believe. You understand? The purpose might be accomplished, the way is not. So the two have to be aligned in some way, shape, or form. So whenever God speaks, it will be to reveal one of those aspects, himself, his purpose or his will, or 
his way. And understanding that will help you better discern God's voice because God is consistent. So I'll go through some practical examples and then we'll dive into the last question. So if you think that God is saying something to you, but what you're hearing, the content, is that God hates you, you know that is not God's voice because it's not consistent with his character. It's not who he is. He will never say that about you. If you think you're hearing God's voice and what he's telling you is that you need to go live in a hut by yourself in Antarctica, then you know that's not God's voice because it would violate his purpose of having you be a light to the world. If you feel like you hear God's voice that you should cheat on this test or uh, lie in order to get that promotion, then you can already know that that is not God's voice because that's not how God would have us do it. Does that make sense? This is how knowing the content will help us discern God's voice. Last question. What if I feel, despite all that you've said, Frank, and all that you've shared, what if I still feel like God is silent towards me? That God isn't speaking to me? interesting question to me I ask this right my first response to it would be well if you're not a Christian it's going to be really difficult to hear from God God will still speak through creation in different ways but without God's Holy Spirit in you you're not going to have that intimacy and the personal one-on-one and the whispers and God's not going to be able to get through that Um, but even if you're a believing Christian many of us because not all of us we've gone through periods of time in our life where we feel like I have been seeking God, maybe more than I've ever done, and yet he is silent, and I don't know why. And I'll throw back, it's usually one of two reasons. The first is there's a sin that you're holding on to, and you won't let go of. We all sin, but I'm saying if there is a sin that you have that you are deliberately holding on to, then that's going to get in the way of our listening and God speaking. Remember I shared the analogy earlier. Adam and Eve, God was in the garden with them personally. Why did that fellowship break? Because of sin, right? Sin acts as a natural barrier between us and God. But here's the thing. For those of us who are Christians, Jesus Christ has come to remove that barrier. So then the only time there might be one is if we're having a sin that we won't repent of, we won't let go of, and we hold it up like a shield and say, God, I'm willing to listen to you. You can say anything you want about anything except this area. You can't speak to me in this area because this is what I want to do. I'm not ready to let this go, and so I'm not going to listen here. But everything else I'll listen to you, I just won't listen here. And I'm just going to say to you that that's not the way it works, right? Even if God does speak to you in other areas, you're not going to be able to hear because sin bleeds. It infects every other area of your life, too. That's just the way sin works. So one possibility, if you feel like I'm going through this time where I'm seeking God, I'm going after him, I'm trying to hear from him, I'm doing everything that my pastor taught me and showed me, and yet I still can't hear, I'd say take a look at your life and see, is there a sin that you're just saying, I am holding on to and I will not let go of? There's an area of my life I will not let God Well, that might be the problem. But then there's a second area, because it's not always sin. There's a second way that I found that oftentimes God is silent. And here's what it looks like. I have a specific question 
or a specific request of God, and he's not answering it. And in those situations, I just want to say, you know, I'd like to have you reconsider. Maybe it's not that God is really silent, but it's that you're so obsessed about hearing God speak in this one area or respond to this one request that you can't hear anything else. I've had it happen in various times in my life. It's been, what am I supposed to do in this situation, God? Who am I supposed to marry? God, why can't you just tell me? I actually prayed, God, would you just put an invisible arrow over their head so no one else can see it except me, and that way I'll know, you know? Um, What job am I supposed to take? Should I buy this home or that home? Can you bail me out of this financial mess I'm in? On and on and on, right? There have been times in my life where I get so obsessed about a certain area that it's not that God's not speaking. It's just that I'm tuning everything else out. You know, um, back in 2008, uh, one of my best friends uh, told me that I needed to get a dog. And the reason why I need to get a dog is that no kid, no son, no boy should grow up without having a dog. And I said, well, I grew up without having a dog. And he said, exactly. So... You have Josiah, he's eight years old now, you need to go get yourself a dog. And I, I didn't think too much about it until I got home afterwards, and I'm like, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe a boy does need a dog. A dog would be kind of fun. A lot of responsibility. He's going to poop and pee everywhere. But, and so at the time, Josiah was my oldest. He was eight years old. Danielle was our youngest. She was three. And so we tried something. We, we took it to our family. We had a vote. So we sat down, had a little family time together, and we said, all right, here's the vote. Here's what you have to decide between. We're going to either get a dog or go to Disney World, right? Which one do you want? Ironically, the only one who chose Disney was Josiah. So we're kind of like, the whole point of this is to get my boy a dog. So anyway, that was the situation. So then we agreed, all right, we're getting a dog. And after that point, our kids were constantly asking us, so when are we going to get a dog? When are we going to get a dog? Wait, 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 wait. Dogs are expensive. We didn't realize it was going to be that expensive, and it's going to take a lot of care and keep, and we need to save up money, so not right now, but it's going to happen at some point, God willing. But that didn't stop our kids from still asking, when are we going to get a dog? When are we going to get a dog? When are we and so you understand that from the ki- our kids' perspective, they were like, why can't we get a dog? Mom and dad already said we would. Mom and dad are good. They don't lie. And so why isn't it happening? But you understand from our perspective, from my wife and I, we're like, well, we have to save up some money to get it. We have to plan how we're going to to take care of the dog. Are our kids old enough and mature enough to handle walking a dog, taking care of him, picking up after him? And then what kind of dog do we want to get? Because we have some allergies in the house, and then we don't want fur all over, so we want to have a dog that doesn't shed, a dog that's not too big but not too small. You know, all these considerations. And then, of course, we have to save up the money for it. And then when's the perfect time to give that dog to our our kids, to our family, and we decided Christmas was going to be the best time, but then we realized, no, maybe not, because after Christmas, we always do faith walkers, so we didn't end up getting Rocky until January of 2009, and that's when we ended up buying the dog, going hunting, and we went to the mall, the Avenues Mall, and got our dog, our seventh member of the family. All that story, just to share this. From our kids' perspective, all they saw was, we want a dog, Mom and dad said it's okay to get a dog. Why don't we have a dog? So we keep asking and asking and asking. All they had was their desire. And that's like us at times, right? When we have that one thing we're obsessed about, it's all we think about. And we're like, if God is good, 
and God promises every good thing, why don't we have the thing that we're asking for? Especially when we're so sincere. God knows my heart. I want it for the best reasons, right? But when you step back and look at my wife and I, our perspective, we're like, no, a lot of things have to line up for it to be the perfect time for that dog to be brought to the home, right? And in the same way, God sees things we do not. And so I think oftentimes we can interpret God's silence as meaning that God doesn't care about us or is not thinking about us or is not responsive when really he's just saying, all right, I hear you. I'm going to do it. Trust me. Trust my heart. Trust my goodness in the right time. So God knows the right time and he will give us every good thing in the proper time. I look forward to sharing more about that next week. We're going to be talking about God's will and how to discern God's will. So we'll dive in a little bit more then. I know this morning was a lot of information. It's like downloading a lot of data. And I don't usually just pile on that much information on a Sunday. But this was important. And I hope that you guys were able to kind of stay in tune and stay connected with where we were going. Um, As a reminder, before we wrap up, Church Plant 2020, the board's going to be up. And we're going to leave it up. For a while, and I'm excited that as you're praying about how God is leading our church through this, that as God speaks to you, again, we'll do our part. We'll train and equip you to listen and to hear, to hear and to listen. Your response is to testify. Your job is to testify when God speaks. That's our agreement, and we don't want to miss what God is saying. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and we'll wrap this. Lord, thank you so much for this time, for this morning, and going through some pretty hefty stuff on understanding how you speak to us, what it sounds like, and how to discern your voice in the midst of all the other different voices out there. And Lord, I'm excited, and I want to thank you for making your voice so unique. And, and as difficult as it may be to discern your voice, there's also a lot of easy parts to it as well. God, you'll never tell us anything that violates your character, your will, or your way. And uh, that makes things pretty simple. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your love towards us. And we thank you that we can be confident that you are always good towards us. We love you. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.